You know, last week in Canada, a court judge authorized a lawsuit by parents in the region against Epic Games, blaming the company for making kids addicted to Fortnite. According to parents, their children showed symptoms of severe dependence after playing Fortnite. For some of them, they would forego showering, eating, sleeping, just so they can play the game. Specialists report gaps in vocabulary as well as gaps in social integration, severe deficiencies when it comes to the whole spectrum of human emotions. Continued use of device causing a significant change to the prefrontal cortex of the human brain that will affect young developing brains. Fortnite has over 350 million users and has reportedly made over $9 billion. These are parents in Canada who are suing the, the makers and writers of Epic Games. 2022, the number of people playing video games, 3.03 billion people playing in the United States. 65%, believe it or not, is adults playing video games. And if you were to break down the adults, 36% of gamers, 36% between 18 and 34, under 18, 24%, 35 to 44, 13%, 45 to 54, 12%, 55 to 64 years old, 9%, and even 65 and older, there is 6% of people playing video games. Staying glued to the TV, if you do research to the TV or video games, they say results in health problems. It could result in obesity, poor eyesight, can cause aggressive behavior and thoughts. Now, I went from video games, now I'm adding TV. Staying glued to TV or video games can result in health problems. Aggressive behavior, aggressive thoughts. TV appears to be associated with emotional problems and poor family function. Cell phones, so now let's add cell phones. Video games, TV, cell phones. It's been proven cell phones lead to stress, anxiety, depression, sleep disturbance, and relationship issues. And there's concerns low levels of radiation emitted by mobile phones could cause headaches and brain tumors. Interestingly enough, video games, TV, cell phones. What do we do to ourselves? It's not just kids, because obviously kids play video games and use their phones, but how many of us adults have TV, watch TV, and or use our cell phones? You know, from the very, very beginning, and I don't, I don't you know, sometimes people say that, you know, we change, we evolve. We, we as people really have not changed one bit since the very, very beginning of time. What has changed is everything around us. Our human nature, the way that we think, the way that we process, every single day, life in itself, it has not changed inside of us, but what has changed is the environment and the effect that it has on us. And with that, we're going to jump into our Christmas story this morning, and you're going to keep in your mind TV, video games, cell phones, and my title this morning is Undelivered. Turn to your neighbor and say, Undelivered. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. That night there were shepherds standing in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't 
be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. Luke 2, verse, that doesn't look very proper, does it? Luke 2, in verse 12. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't you only like snuggly babies? In strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. Peace on earth to whom God is pleased. Verse 15. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village. They found Mary and Joseph. There was a baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. Verse 18. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. And Mary kept all these things in her heart, and she thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying, praising God for all that they had heard, all that they had seen. It was just as the angel had told them. And this morning, all of us in life, because we're all around the age 30, 40, have, have had at least one big moment in life. I think all of us this morning could think of one thing that is extremely big and important, something that really means something, a very, very big moment. And that's kind of what life is. It is not life about building on big moments and experiences. And so this morning, this is a really big moment. It's not just, you know, something that happened 2,000 years ago. It's not just the reading from Luke 2, 8 down to verse, you know, 15. This is a really, really big moment. This is, and, and in these scriptures, there are so many different pieces, questions that God answers in within this frame of these verses. This is a really important picture. And so as we look at this this morning, I want to go really slow. I want to go really careful because the picture that needs to be painted is really important. In this story, there's dirt, there's grit, there's grind, there's the unexpected, there's very unusual, there's a way, a moment, there's humility, there's power, there's glory. And if you were to take in every part of this scripture that we just read and listen and lean in this morning and allow God, maybe just even to give you one piece of a puzzle that you're looking for, it can blow your mind. So as we start, we look at the shepherds. These shepherds, they watched over the temple animals that were used for sacrifices. That's a pretty important job. In those days, people would come to Jerusalem and they would offer sacrifices for their sins. They would travel from all over the world to come to the temple. There's obviously people who live there, but people traveled all over to come to this spot and they would offer animals as a sacrifice so that their sins could be forgiven. The shepherds in this story, as they're tending the sheep, as they're tending them, they are watching over these animals that would be used be used so that someone's sin could be forgiven. Important job. For the shepherds, they would find grass. They would find water for sheep. They would protect them from wild animals, from thieves and people who try to rip them off. They would tend to sickness and wounds that the sheep would have. Now, some people in this day, they would respect shepherds because they're hardworking. They're gritty. They're tough. They work in the dirt all day. 
It's a long day. It's a long job. And so some people respected shepherds in this time. But other people, they called shepherds drifters. They called them rough. They called them low. They called them unclean. They called them dangerous. They called them troublemakers. And it was to the shepherds that what? An angel of the Lord appears. And when the angel of the Lord appears, you know, for everyone in the story and everyone in the Bible that had an angel appear to them, what happened immediately? As soon as an angel appears to, to any person in the Bible, they freak out. Totally freak out. Totally, absolutely afraid. Just as one of us, if we were standing here and all of a sudden there was ten angels standing here, how many of us would freak out of our mind? We would wonder if we're dead, if we've gone to heaven, if we've gone somewhere else, right? Just totally terrified. And so the shepherds, this angel of the Lord appears to them, and they have this massive encounter. And I wonder how many times, you know, how many of us, you know, have friends, and I know I did in high school, we talk about, you know, alien encounters, and these are really aliens, and, you know, UFOs, and all those things. I wonder how many times God has allowed maybe even an angel or a demon to be seen flashing through the sky, and people thought it was a UFO or an alien, but it wasn't. It just was the appearance of an angel that was caught for a second, or even maybe a demon. But we don't know the story. We're not talking about demons. We're talking about angels. And these angels, you know what they bring in the story? The birth announcement. How many of us have had a kid and had the pleasure to have that birth announcement? This is our new pride and joy. You know, our Jayla, our Jordan, our Angelica, right? This is our pride and joy. I mean, not ours, Angelica, but, you know, you're kind of part of the family, okay? Because you're Jayla's friend, so I just had to throw you in there. And you're twinsing with my daughter, right? So we had to throw you in there. Wasn't that a pleasure and a joy to bring a birth announcement to your friends, to your family? This is my new baby. This is him. This is her. This is amazing. And so the angel comes to the shepherds with what? The birth announcement. The son of God. This is Jesus Christ who's going to bring good news and joy to all people. This moment was so ginormous. Ginormous is huge, and it's big, and it's important. Because as soon as the angel of the Lord is speaking to them, and as soon as the angel of the Lord is bringing them good news and great news, what happens? It says that this angel is joined with a vast army of heaven, and they all start praising, and they all start singing praises to God. And so at one minute, these guys were just watching their sheep, and they're doing their normal dance, and they're dancing around the fire, and they're doing marshmallows and chocolate and, and you know, graham crackers. And they're, they're eating their s'mores. And all of a sudden, an angel appears to them. And everything stops. Because if an angel appears to you, if God speaks to you, if there's something massive and just one experience happens, how many of us know life just stops? But it builds from there. There's one angel. Now there's an army of angels who are singing and praising God as they bring the birth announcement to shepherds, to shepherds, that the Son of God has been born. This moment for them was so ginormous. It was so big that for the shepherds, there was an immediate response. This was such an experience. This was such a moment. This was such a highlight. This is something that's so different that it caused an immediate response to them. 
They told him, you can go and find this baby wrapped up nice and tight, lying in a manger. And why did they say snugly and nice and tight wrapped up in a manger? You know what's interesting? It was words and language that the shepherds would understand. For the shepherd, when a sheep was born, a lamb was born that was perfect and without blemish, immediately when, it, when a perfect animal was born, they would wrap that animal super tight because they wanted to protect it from sickness and they did not want anything to happen. Only perfect animals could be sacrificed for the sins of the temple. And so as perfect lamb sheep born, as these animals are being born, shepherds understood when the angels said, you will find him wrapped up nice and snugly and tight, they understood because they were the ones tending to the perfect lamb and sheep that would be sacrificed. So they understood this, this verbiage and this language. They understood what they're saying. And it brings up John 1.29. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming, and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, this is the one I was talking about when I said a man is coming after me who's far greater than I am. He existed long before me. The language that the angel used to the shepherds, the scribes, they understood something was changing, something was moving, because the animals that they took care of were providing sacrifice, but now there was a new lamb that appeared on the scene. As John the Baptist pens, it is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, wrapped up snugly, nice and tight, lying in a manger. 1 Peter 1.18 says, you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life that we inherited from our ancestors. It was not paid with mere gold or silver, silver, which lose their value. It was paid with the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. Romans 3.25, God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned against him. God himself comes to the earth, and where is he born? He's born in a cave. And it wasn't a cave. How many of us, you know, as a kid, is one of the most awesomest, wonderful things to do, travel the mountains, right, and find caves and hide in caves, you know, and throw rocks at your friends in the cave. Wasn't it one of the best things in the whole entire world? You know, how many caves do we have here in the Hemet Valley and all the mountains surrounding that we can go and hike and see and you can climb in? Caves here are a little bit different in, in Jerusalem and Bethlehem. It was carved out of rock. Spot for animals to live, to hang, to breathe, to go to the bathroom. And the Son of God born in a cave. And he gets where? Laid. Doesn't get laid in a bassinet. He gets laid in a trough. God himself. Where did he pick the birthplace? Wasn't Loma Linda? Wasn't Kaiser? I don't know which is your favorite hospital. Or Hemet Hospital, right? That's all of our favorites. Hemet, Loma Linda, Kaiser. God picked a cave. Dirty. Dirty dust. Kind of gross, stinky, messy. God himself, this is his birthplace in a cave. You know, at the time, you had Caesar who was reigning, and the Roman Empire controlled Jerusalem. 
And at this moment and in this time, many people said of Caesar, he is our savior and he is our Lord. To many people in this time, Caesar was a Roman god, right? People adored him and all that he was able to accomplish, all that he conquered. And so that he had men and women, they would praise him and they would call him, he is my savior and he is my Lord. Now for Caesar, he only was given that title by men. But Jesus, as he was born, he was given the title Savior and Lord by who? God himself. At this moment and in this time, things begin to shift and things begin to change because there was a man in control, self-exalted man who wanted that title Savior and Lord and Roman Emperor. But now a new man steps on the scene as a baby and he's given the title of Savior, Lord, Messiah, God himself as he speaks from heaven. And so this morning as we start to break this down, this is such a beautiful, and I love this story, the unexpected moment. People waited for years. People waited for years for the Messiah. They waited forever. The announcement of his birth, they would think, they would hope, they would expect that this announcement would come to religious leaders but God gave the announcement to who? The shepherds. People who waited forever. The Messiah that was prophesied and talked about for years and years and years. When they were looking and waiting and expecting to hear from God, he didn't speak to the pastors. He didn't speak to the religious leaders. God spoke to the shepherds. God spoke to the people who were out there working hard. People at this moment... They were expecting the Messiah when he would come. He would be born in a palace. Gold, silver, bronze, a nice bed, nice bath, all that wonderful stuff. Heat lamps, jacuzzi if you need. But he wasn't born in the palace either, right? He was born in a cave. Some people expected the Messiah when he would come to save them from politics and Roman rule. Some expected the Messiah to come and to save them from politics and the Roman rule. Others, they expected the Messiah to save them from sickness and physical hardship. Work. They were looking to the Messiah. You see the different thoughts and the different patterns of people's brain. And you had some people expecting, free us from politicians. And you had us, free us from the Roman rule. And then you had other people, free me from my sickness. Free me from Work, that four-letter word that we love. But it was through this unexpected moment in this unexpected way that God makes an unusual entrance. Isaiah 55, 8 says this, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And we see that God starts to break the mold. God starts to break the mold in the religious, in the minds, in the hearts of people. God is doing things not the way that we expect. He's doing the things the way that he wants them to be done. And he's showing us a different way. God starts to break the mold from the very beginning, from the birth, the life, the ministry, the death, the resurrection. God is breaking the mold in what he did in Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't fit the mold. 
Jesus didn't fit the mold in so many people's lives. People questioned him. People looked at him and asked questions. Who is this guy? Even John the Baptist who baptized Jesus, after a while he started asking, is he really? At the beginning he knew that he was, but later on he started to question it. The religious questioned Jesus all the time. They did not like the way that he did things. They didn't like the people that he hung out with. They did not like Jesus, his power, his authority, the healing power that he had. They did not like it. For the sinners, interestingly enough, they felt very comfortable around Jesus, the Son of God. The lost, the tax collectors, people, the IRS, those horrible, horrible people. People felt comfortable around who? The Son of God. Jesus, God, start to break the mold in this moment. You know, for some people, they get stuck on baby Jesus. And in this moment, we put the manger all over, right? Some people, they will do the manger in front of their house, in the house, and there's nothing wrong with that. But that is the only view that sticks in their mind all year round is baby Jesus lying in a manger. This is the only view, this is the only picture in my brain that sticks out year round is baby Jesus stuck in a manger. For some people, they get stuck that Jesus, hey, he was a worker, he did woodwork, he was a carpenter, he was a good guy. Some people are stuck on Jesus just as a healer, as a teacher, as a guide, as a nice guy. He was a man. The question this morning is not how everyone else views Jesus. It's just specifically how do you view Jesus? And has Jesus gone from the Christmas story of being a baby to becoming exactly who he is in our lives. Jesus was born and it was miraculous and it was amazing and it was powerful in this moment. But do we leave him just there in the manger or have we allowed him to grow up to the man, to the God, to the Savior, Lord, that he is? You know, for a lot of people, Jesus bothers people because he does things that are so different than us. I read that verse in Isaiah, God, what did he say? My ways are higher than your ways. Now, if we were to take a step back, and at this moment, and in this time, was God doing things differently than what people expected? Yes. So 2,000 years later, do we think that we're so smart and wise, and we've elevated to Jedi level 10 that we figured God out? Or do you think that verse in Isaiah still applies to us today where God says, my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts, they're higher than your thoughts. See, what happens, we don't realize it is sometimes we put God in a box. And in this moment and in this time, that's what the people did because God did the exact opposite of what they expected. And sometimes this morning, I can tell you that every one of us, there's probably one area of our life that God is saying, your expectations are wrong. Your expectations are wrong. And so the story this morning tells me, you know what, that the table is set. How many of us know that this week, and we just obviously celebrated Thanksgiving, which is wonderful, it kicks off the holiday season, we eat a turkey, and
and stuffing and green beans, and we eat all kinds of food, and we have to set the table, we have to prepare, we have to do all those things, and it just gets us warmed up, right? Just like this morning, we're trying to warm up. Christmas is coming, and now how many of us warming up because we have to set a table again, and we have to get all the preparations and all the plates and silverware clean, all that stuff. But what the table do we set so that we can what? Sit down and eat. This morning as you look around, as I look around, I see that, again, people, we have not changed. Because you know what, today, people are looking for a savior in politics, just like they did 2,000 years ago. How many Christians around the world, I can't tell you, in the last two years, how much talk has happened around the election in politics. And maybe there's been more talk on that than what we should be talking about. And so how many people are stuck on a savior and politicians, we need a new, 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 just like they were 2,000 years ago. And back then, there was people, they wanted to be saved from politics, but they wanted to be saved from dictators and rule. And I think just like today, how many people are looking to God just for that one thing, save me from control of men, of women who are evil, and then how many people, just like 2,000 years ago, are looking to the Savior, just save me for this reason, for my sickness. Just save me for the physical hardship of life. Life can be hard at times. Life can be wonderful at times. Rainbows and unicorns, right? Life can be all of those things. And so you see 2,000 years ago, what they expected, what they were hoping for, a political Savior. Savior from Roman rule, a savior from sickness, a savior, a savior that would save us from work and sweat and hardship. Did God do some of those things? Yeah. But it was different than what he expected. Sometimes we get stuck. God's return to me is close. And it's close because the table is set. And we can see that 2,000 years ago, people were totally not expecting what God was about to do. And today, I think the table is set again, and it's different. There's a new tablecloth. There's new china out. The silverware and the flatware is different. The cups, everything from the beginning to the end, it's different. People are different. And you know why we're different? That's kind of why I started with video games this morning. How many of us have ever, if you know kids that play video games, have said, get off your phone, your video game, and your device. You're killing your brain. You're damaging yourself. Do you know when a kid sits back and thinks? If they see you watch TV and they see you on your cell phone, I'm thinking they're thinking to themselves, I'm doing the same thing you're doing. So why are you telling me to stop? The young and the old, is there any difference? Have we really changed? The old people, we, we like to boss around the younger people, telling them what to do. But if you spend 10, 20, 30 minutes on your cell phone and then tell someone not to get on a tablet, you're doing the same thing. You're doing the same thing. Sometimes what we expect of others... Ah, we don't expect it ourselves. The perfection that we want in other people and in our kids, 
but yet we don't see the imperfection in ourselves. When God came here, he had the title from the angel, Savior, Christ, and Lord. And this spoke of the mission, the royalty, the authority. And to everyone who believes and everyone who follows, God gives the same mission, royalty, and authority. The angel said that, the, that God, Jesus, would bring peace on earth. And how many years have we been talking about peace? How many of us know that in the peace movement, it was, it was peace from war. We don't want to go to war anymore. We don't want to fight battles that don't mean anything. How many years have been preached and talked about from all over the world? We want peace. We want world peace. We want this. And even by 2030, that is the, that is the plan. There are people who are running the world. That is their plan. By 2030, they will bring world peace to everybody. They're going to end poverty, slavery, and they're going to bring world peace. How many people? Peace, 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 peace. You know, how many people today, you can study some of the different religions, and they're based on meditation. Different religions based on, you know, breathing and, and all kinds of different things. And they're trying to bring inner peace and an inner quietness to our souls. People have been preaching peace forever. God's been preaching peace much longer. Peace is not a new thing. But real peace can only come from God. Because I can tell you today, every person is born with a battle that's within. There's a battle in our brain. There's a battle with our emotions. There's a battle with ourself. And the only way that peace comes is through God himself. And we can't expect peace from others when we don't have peace inside. And so many people in our world today, there is such a massive war. There is World War X going on inside of so many people. Past experiences, depression, loneliness, so many different things at war constantly inside. People hoping, wishing for peace. But sometimes we want peace our way and in our time. Real peace is only found through Jesus Christ. As I said earlier, 3.3 billion people playing video games this past year. And it's crazy. It's crazy the day and the time that we live in. Video games, the TV, and the cell phone, they promise much, but they deliver very little. That is why I title un delivered because many of us in our world today you see we haven't changed but what's changed is what we're addicted to what's changed is what we spend most of our time on and if you were to look at most of adults around the world it is on some kind of electronic device some way shape or form what does the tv do what does the cell phone do causes stress anxiety sleep disturbance These things promise much. Can they be useful? Absolutely. They promise much, but they deliver very little. But this holiday season and this Christmas, God wants you to know one thing. He is the one that delivers everything. What are you distracted with this season? What are the things that are catching your time? What are the things that are catching your eye? What are the things that are catching us up with distractions? Sometimes good distractions, are, they're distractions. 
Because a lot of us are caught up in moments and plans and preparations. A lot of us are caught up in, in this and that and other things, right? And sometimes that's good, sometimes it's not good. But no matter where all of us are, and we're different. Every single one of us this morning, we're at a different place. And that should be, that should be in itself a complement of one another. We're different, we're unique, and we're all special. To know this morning and this season that God is not against me, that God, he is for me. When God came here, what did he do? He went to people who are just regular, ordinary, hardworking, everyday people, kind of like me. That's how I view myself, nice, kind, most of the time, unless I'm tired and grouchy. God is for me. God is for you. He is not against us one bit. You know, sometimes it's easy to get in trap. And there's many people in our world today, in our world, I think, that are stuck in a word trap. If you ever talk about a friend, have you ever talked about somebody and maybe even talked about God? This is how God is. Now you've put yourself in a word trap. Because that person that you described, whether it's a friend, whether it's a relative, or even God himself, if you put it out there, this is how God is. Now you have to defend those words. And for many, you have to live by those words. But in the end, you don't understand the trap sometimes we put ourselves with our words. Be careful how we speak. We have to be careful how we talk. Is God love? Absolutely. Is God caring, giving, serving? Yes. But if they couldn't figure him out 2,000 years ago, I haven't figured him out all the way either. Be careful for the word traps we put out there in the holiday season. This morning, I started with kind of painting a picture, and I talked about a puzzle piece. And so as we wrap up this morning, there's so many things in this story from the religious point of view, from the mold, from the expectations, from things that are left unmet, from the shepherds, from the cave, from the na from manger, from Jesus, from the Son of God, from the birth announcement, from who God appeared to, from who he first spoke to, where he decided, all of the little things that are so intricate and they're so perfect. In our minds, being born in a cave would not be perfect. But to God, being born in a dirty, stinky cave is perfect. God is perfect in all that he does, in all that he chooses. That's why he created you. No mistakes. Not one person here and on our planet a mistake. Every one of us so unique and so different. So beautiful and so handsome and so strong. God is perfect in what he does. And God is perfect in the way that he chose you to be here this morning and this holiday season. And really it's up to us, what do we do with it? God had a mission. God had lived a life. He was royal. He had power. He had authority. All of those things, which are promised to you as well. Do I live by those? And do I follow them? 
It's one thing to just say I believe, and it's another thing to say I follow. And in reminding ourselves that everything in the world that we see will live us undelivered. It doesn't, it doesn't deliver what it promises. Only can we find it in God alone. God delivers every time.